0: From the New Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church in East Dublin, Georgia, this is the podcast. The Reverend Dr. Gregory V. Eason Sr. is the senior pastor of Flippert Temple African Methodist Episcopal Church in Atlanta. In nearly 40 years of ministry, Reverend Dr. Eason has passed it throughout Georgia, and has been at the forefront of civic, economic, and faith concerns, not only for the people that he pastors, but for everyone. In a talk recorded live at the Marriott Hotel in Augusta, Georgia, site of the 6th Episcopal District, Educational Leadership Congress, the Rev. Dr. Easton joins the podcast to talk about his life, his ministry, and the state of the church. Special thanks to Cheryl Bland for her help in making this podcast happen. Hey everybody and welcome to the podcast and it is my honor and pleasure to have this man in front of our microphones, uh, the, the Reverend Dr. Gregory Easton. I am so pleased to have you here. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks for having me, and the pleasure simply is all mine. I'm honored to be here. Oh, well, thank you, sir. So uh, we are at the 6th uh, Episcopal District uh, Educational Leadership Conference here in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, many pastors are here, and, and, and it is my privilege that at this roaming table here, pastors are coming in and out, and, 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 and we're talking to them. So, uh, so, Reverend Eason, let's, let's kind of start from the beginning. Uh, yes, sir. Well, this is kind of the origin question that I always ask.
1: Where are you from? Well, I grew up in a little small community called Matter, Georgia. Um, I graduated from a Class A high school, which was the lowest classification in sports. Uh, there were maybe about 6,000 people in the whole county when I graduated from Matter High School in 1978. Well, I was born in the the hospital in Matter on December 24th, 1960. And at that time, the hospital was segregated, Hmm. and uh, African-American children were born in the basement area of the hospital. But uh, I learned a lot of wonderful lessons uh, growing up in Matter. My grandparents were sharecroppers who purchased their own farm, my parents were educators. My father was also a pastor. And we grew up on a farm. And, uh, and, and I learned a lot of wonderful values from growing up uh, in Candler County, working in tobacco fields during the summer and uh, attending a small high school. So um, it was a wonderful experience. I would not trade it for anything. Now, I was going to let you use the tagline for Meta. You know what? metter where everything is better everything <laughs> is better in matter. when you are coming past matter on i16 everything is better in matter <laughs> 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 all right all right uh, so so you're you you
0: you come from a line of pastors when did you get the calling or when did you figure out
1: oh no i'm going to be one of these guys too well i was actually called as a teenager uh, but I've had no point of reference for entering the ministry as a teen. And um, I accepted the call at age 20 at Morris Brown College during a spiritual emphasis week. Uh, and then Bishop John Bryant was the preacher and uh, Reverend John Bryant then. And, uh, and the call was of such strong force, it was either preach or die. That's the, that's, that's, that was the feeling. So I surrendered to the call. I resisted the call because I saw what my father and other ministers went through, and this was—I um, had planned to graduate from Morris Brown, go to law school, or get a master's of, of public administration, but not to do ministry. So uh, the call got me. I didn't have it. It, it captured me, and, uh, and and that's where I've been for the past 40 years, in the midst of God's call in ministry. So the call captured you. What did you do
0: as the captive? What did you do after the call captured you?
1: I had to surrender. Uh, Preached my first sermon uh, on the fourth Sunday of March in 1981. Uh, And after that, I went ahead. I graduated from East Georgia State College in Swainsboro with an associate's degree, then Morris Brown College with a baccalaureate degree. On to ITC. Um, I had mentors like my father and others who told me, instead of going to a, a predominantly white seminary, they said, well, Greg, who are you going to pastor? And so that led me to my ITC experience. And then I earned a postgraduate degree at uh, Columbia Seminary and eventually a doctor of ministry degree at Columbia Seminary also.
0: And, so, Yeah, and we have that in common. I'm a Columbia right. graduate for from the uh, Masters of Divinity program. So... Uh, That's I, a wonderful, wonderful school. I enjoyed the experience. I enjoyed the experience as yeah. well, but, but, but you know, I'm not in the mafia of the ITC, and I wish I was.
1: Oh, <laughs> ITC is a wonderful, uh, that was three of the best years of my life. I really, really enjoyed the ITC experience. Wow. All right, so let's talk about your first the, the first church that you pastored. The first church I pastored was St. Mark AME Church in Wadley, Georgia, which was part of a two-point circuit. Uh, St. Mark had a total of 40 members It met on the second and fourth Sundays. I also pastored Hickman Tabernacle AME Church, only eight members here in Augusta, Georgia, and they met on the first and third Sunday. So, and, and I received that appointment in October of 1984. So that's been almost 37 years, so eight-member church and a 40-member church, and both of the congregations met twice a month. Wow.
0: And and you were traveling from?
1: Atlanta, where I was in seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a midler in seminary when I was assigned to St. Mark Watley in Hickman Tabernacle, Augusta. And I traveled two hours and 45 minutes one way to St. Mark Watley, two hours and 15 minutes one way to Hickman Tabernacle in Augusta. But it was a great experience. The people of, of St. Mark Watley were so excited about ministry that they had a parsonage that the pastor had not stayed in in years. They started to repair the parsonage for me to come down on weekends. And uh, before I could move in, I was actually moved uh, to St. James Edmund Church in Thompson, Georgia. Wow. So
0: at St. James, uh, how did your ministry start forming? Because that was a one-station church. I that was a station church. That, okay.
1: And I was assigned uh, to St. James Edmund Church in 1986. Uh, at the close of the Augusta, Georgia Annual Conference, uh, St. James' was an exciting congregation because um, um, uh, you know the people love to worship. Uh, I succeeded C. O. Adams, who was a great preacher and a great singer, and uh, that's the first church I've been I served as pastor, where even if the musician didn't show up, they, the pianists, they had bass and lead guitar players, and the worship was always exciting. And uh, uh, my preaching went to another level there because they, uh, when I was preaching, uh, stewards like Carrie Moore would say, let's see, preacher. <laughs> 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 they would talk back and, uh, and they would, uh, of course, they expected a good message, but, but they loved to celebrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. I had a wonderful experience at St. James in Thompson, Georgia.
0: Today's devotional. In Mark 6 30 34, Jesus suggests a time of rest for the disciples, for they had served a ton of people, healing and teaching them. As they were going to a remote place by a boat, a large group of people saw them and started to rush toward the boat. Jesus saw them and was moved with compassion. Compassion is a term that explicitly describes Jesus. Compassion motivates people to go out of their way to be of service. Compassion is not pity. Compassion is not passive. Compassion is rolling up our sleeves and getting involved, even when it may not be convenient for us. So if we are to be like Jesus, we must engage with people beyond pity or despair. We must engage people with the compassion of Jesus. Tell me about how did you get to the charge that you're at now?
1: Well, I, I, I stayed two years at St. James and Thompson, and I was actually out of town in 1988 uh, preaching for one of my seminary classmates who was actually a Baptist pastor doing his installation service, and Bishop Talbot assigned me from St. James Thompson to St. James Monticello, mm-hmm. So I served there for two years, and in 1990, I was appointed to senior pastor of St. Philip AME Church in Savannah, Georgia, which was the first church uh, in the Old Georgia Annual Conference and was blessed to serve as pastor there for 14 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, during that period, we experienced uh, astronomical growth. Uh, I was a part um, providing leadership for the city, um, uh, worked to see the first African-American mayor, Floyd Adams, elected, the second African-American mayor, uh, and also was the campaign manager for Van Johnson, who was elected to the city council and is now uh, the uh, uh, mayor of Savannah. Also served with the Interdenominational Ministerial Alliance uh, worked hard in the community. And saw St. Philip really moved to another level of worship and ministry in the Savannah community. So that was a 14-year pastorate. And then I was assigned to Flipper Temple, served there for 19 months. Bishop um, DeVoe uh, told me that I was going to serve Big Bethel Church, where I served for seven and a half years, presided over some development there, and then to uh, St. Paul AME Church on Prior Road, where we saw uh, 200 new members in three years that I served there. Mm. And then uh, Bishop Williams sent me back to Flipper Temple, where I've been back there for over five years. Now, it's a very few people can go back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to a church <laughs> yes. and, and stay uh, five additional years, and I plan to stay uh, longer, much longer. So uh, that was a you know, it's a, it's a wonderful experience. I'm enjoying preaching, pastoring, and providing leadership to that congregation, Amen. the first church on the South Atlanta District.
0: Amen. Amen. So people who listen to this podcast are not all AMES, but we got right. a lot of AMES who right. listen to this podcast. And so let's talk about the connectional aspect of the church mm-hmm. and looking at the, the, the Episcopal aspect of the church and the opportunities for Episcopal service that you have made yourself available for.
1: Well, um, leadership sets the moral and spiritual environment in which an institution operates. Uh, and as one of the spiritual leaders and bishops of the church, I would become a pastor to pastors, And uh, and Reverend Bland, I genuinely love pastors and their families. Uh, I've been chairs of boards of examiners in both the Georgia Conference as well as the Atlanta North Georgia Conference. Been a mentor to many pastors. So uh, entering the episcopacy is just a natural uh, movement from what I'm actually doing now. Uh, I believe the best bishops are the best pastors. Those who love the people of God are concerned about the people of God. And as a bishop, the major responsibility is to make appointments of pastors and also ordain pastors for ministry in the church, as well as providing leadership to the general society of the area where the bishop presides. So um, proven leadership, 37 years of pastoring as of now, and uh, look forward in three years to the possibility (laughs) of being one of the bishops of the church.
0: Amen. 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 Can you comment on what you believe is the state of the church writ large? Not just the Amy Church, but the state of the, the of the church uh, in the world right now. Well,
1: let me say um, in America. This is what, I was looking at a report in America. This is the first time in generations, maybe in the in the, in the history, in, in many years, perhaps in the history of our country, that less than fifty percent of our population identify with being Christian. So. Um, We're living in a society where there's a lot of nuns that have no religious affiliation, whether that's Christianity, Jewish, or Islamic. So I truly believe that the United States of America is the new mission field. When we go to the pulpit or to Bible studies, we can't assume anymore that people in our community know the 23rd Psalm or David and Goliath or or stories like that. Uh, It's... Ministry now is also wrapped up, I believe, in mission and, um, and also understanding where society is. Uh, when you look at the state of the African-American church, we have to be concerned very, very seriously about the problems that plague us, like systemic racism, the lack of affordable housing, the lack of affordable health care. Uh, so uh, our ministry must also be concerned about converting people to the Lord Jesus Christ, but also improving the conditions where our people live.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I so agree with that. And, mm-hmm. and I also believe, and that's why we're doing this podcast and some of the other stuff that we're trying to do through our ministry at New Bethel, that, uh, that people are not coming to church. A lot of people are identifying right. as not, not being churched at all. But what they, what they do is they, they've got one of these things, and I'm holding up a smartphone. Mm-hmm. And so if we can put our ministry there in their hands, like this podcast, so people are going to be listening to it and we will believe this is listening to it primarily on a smartphone uh, and listening to a sermon or whatever then that's, that's a mission field. That's another that's way of, uh, of grabbing people and, and getting them. And it doesn't have to be a full sermon. It could be, again, a conversation with a spiritual leader. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and it may capture imagination and, and those sorts of things.
1: Absolutely. You know, um, in the society in which we live now, uh, church has to be done differently. The hymn writer said to serve the present age church is different in 2021 than it was in 1960 or 70 or 80 or even 90. Uh, The pandemic was a game changer. We may see more people on Facebook and on YouTube and on our websites than we have actually in our pews. Uh, Over these past months, we've had people to join in all over the country from Canada and sometimes uh, uh, over in Africa. So, We don't know who we are speaking to when we mount the pulpit in 2021 and beyond because it is absolutely necessary that we not only have an in-person worship experience, but we must have a virtual worship experience also. Uh, If we don't, we will not be relevant. Uh, and again, our virtual congregation, as we move forward in the future, may well be larger <laughs> yeah. than our in-person. Yeah. Uh, so this is an exciting time. It's a challenging time, but um, when crisis meets opportunity, some good things can happen. Amen. Uh, I, I, I believe that. Yeah, I I,
0: I agree. With, I know at all church. We, we, I've got 49 people on the roll, but we our numbers for our virtual services. Top about two to three thousand people every time we we stream something. So so that virtual audience is awesome. It is awesome. It 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 is awesome. And as we transition to in person and and worship this hybrid uh, piece, uh, we've got to be be aware of that and actually give them programming that is specifically for the virtual audience, uh, not just necessarily putting the camera up in front of the pulpit and letting them see that. So Right. Now, uh, let me put yeah. a
1: plug in on your ministry, because I think I told you the other day, I was very saddened when the principal of, uh, of uh, Dublin High School and his mm-hmm. wife and yeah. child were, were killed in a tragic accident. And I read a portion of what you stated after that, and I thought it was a powerful, very thoughtful message. It was it was obvious that you were you're a trained pastor, and it showed but also a spiritually sensitive pastor. So, um, uh, you know, I thought that that was simply powerful. It was a word that reached reached far beyond mm. your congregation. Thank you. Uh, so I, I, and, and that's the kind of ministry we have to do as we move forward.
0: Yeah, praise God. And, yeah, yeah it's, it's a tender time for yeah. our, our folks in Dublin to just imagine when you and I are in high school, if you lost your principal.
1: Oh, that would be tragic. That would be, I, I cannot imagine. And the trauma that the children must must have faced and uh, and certainly may still be going through because I understand he was an excellent yeah uh, principal
0: yeah he was right. yeah yeah excellent principal yeah. and and not only the, the the children but the staff as well oh so,
1: yes the faculty and staff yeah so it, it's, absolutely yeah
0: but uh, we're weathering the storm so as we close out this time t- together um, mm-hmm. I, I want to also put a plug in for your wife she sure. is uh, let's talk about her for a little bit because she's going to be listening to this and 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 she is. Gosh, she is wonderful.
1: You know, Linda Easton, uh, Linda Tyson Easton is truly a blessing. Uh, we were married in, on August the 9th, 1986. That will be 35 years. Uh, she's a wonderful Christian woman, uh, powerful uh, prayer warrior, an outstanding singer. I mean, uh, she can really, really seeing and be on the lookout. Uh, She's planning to uh, write and publish uh, a CD shortly. So we're looking forward to her doing great things. And she's been a wonderful wife and mother uh, and Christian lady. Um, So she, you know, I'm just blessed to have her as part of my life, uh, number one, and a part of our family and ministry. She's she's outstanding. I can't say enough. God, gift from God.
0: Well, you know, maybe you can be a booking agent for me because I'd love to have her when the CD drops on the podcast. We can play excerpts from the CD and would love to be a a part of of having that testimony be heard by so many people.
1: Well, we must make that happen. I, you know, so let's put that. Uh, in our to-do list. Okay. Uh, I think that would be a blessing.
0: Well, you have accomplished one of my to-do lists and this opportunity to just spend some time with you. And I, and I really, truly appreciate it. You are uh, an inspiration to me uh, in so many ways in terms of how you have conducted yourself in your ministry. Uh, a blueprint, uh, I, could, I can say, for for me and, and and how one can make an impact. With the gifts of God that they're given, from the basement of the hospital in Meta to almost the episcopal the the, the, the bishopship of the A.M.E. Church, uh, the Reverend Gregory Easton, Doctor Gregory Easton, we are just so happy that you joined us here in the podcast today, and thank you so much.
1: And let me just say, I'm truly honored to be a part of the podcast, and I just thank God for your ministry, and and I just look forward to continued blessings for you. And uh, certainly keep us in prayer as we move forward in the future. Again, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: The podcast is a production of Tudor Point Theological Media Corporation, an association with the New Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church in East Dublin, Georgia. A great team that put together this podcast includes Annie Ingram, Erica Bland, and Chandler Bland. Mel Bland is the executive producer of To the Point Theological Media. NBC Dublin is your 24-7 worship center for New Bethel. There you will find sermons, blogs, podcasts, videos, and commentaries. I really hope that you will check it out. And you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you find your podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and Amazon Music. I'm Marvin Bland, and you've been listening to the podcast. And until the next time we upload, blessings, peace, and love. It's your faithful giving to New Bethel that has allowed us to do God's work. You can give the New Bethel by texting NBC 150 to 888 364 4483. You can also give online at www.nbcdublin.com or you can mail your contribution The Post Office Box 1690, Dublin, Georgia 31040. Blessings. And thank you.